Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell. It is great to have you. It is June 21st. Already, it's June. I can't believe it. It is June 21st, and I have a fantastic show for you this week. I'm going to start off with The Devil's Advocate. I'm going to bring you Mega's Peter H. Gilmore's essay from his The Satanic Scriptures, titled, Every Man and Woman is a Star. And, of course, Darren Deicide is going to provide us with a wonderful Agent Provocateur, episode 23, taking the piss out of you. And we're going to close this out. Oh, my goodness. We're going to close this out with Creature Feature. I'm speaking to Magister David Harris. You know, the gentleman from Satanism Today, Hate Speech Radio, Vagina Time, numerous other projects around the web. He is coming here. And we're going to be telling you about the ninth segment on Nine Cents. The last segment. I'm not accepting any more after this. That's right. Satanism today. We'll talk about that at the tail end of the show. I am so excited about this. It is fantastic. I just actually got off the line with him. We uh, chatted about Satanism today. So, uh, you know, it, it's beginning experience while it was going and then uh, why it stopped and stuff. It's, it's a really great conversation. Look forward to that. So it's solstice. It is Father's Day at the same time. Father's Day for me is a little bit strange. I'm sure it is for everyone, too. Um, everyone else. my The man who raised me, my stepfather, I see as my father. The man who uh, birthed... <laughs> he didn't even birth. Who planted the seed for me to exist. And who was a part of my very early informative years. Uh, he's passed. And uh, not too excited about that. So for me, Father's Day is a little bit more like Stepfather's Day. I was incredibly fortunate with the man who raised me, uh, literally a war hero and a man who believes in responsibility and duty. And those ideas informed me as uh, a young Adam kicking around Star Wars toys, (laughs) really. Um, So happy Father's Day to him. Thank you so much for everything you've done. And as a father, I can say this. Let's stop with the blanket Happy Father's Day to everyone you meet. Or the little stickers on counters as you enter uh, some gas station or grocery store or name the business. I'm so sick and tired of this. Everyone who's a father is just a a wonderful person. No, the reality is probably we're looking at, I don't know, maybe 30%. And that's probably really high as being actual worthwhile fathers. Gentlemen who uh, are honestly can provide discipline, which is really important, even though it's shied away from nowadays. Uh, Respect, 
But in the same token, give their kids the the room to challenge them, their parents. See, this is something that I think is incredibly important. Most children, in, in their natural progression of growth, will bite the hand that feeds, will rage against the machine, and the machine and the hand are traditionally their parents. And a lot of people think that's terrible, and so they go out of their way to, to hammer down what they consider discipline and what I consider destroying individuality. They hammer so hard that they, their children are afraid of them. They're afraid to talk back, to step up, to challenge. Now, I have to say, in all fairness, I have brought the fear into my kids' lives from time to time. Uh, in most cases, I believe it was warranted. They needed to see and fear me for what was happening. Um, but in general... And by and large, the majority of the time, I encourage them to give me their opinions, even if I don't like hearing it, even if I don't want to hear it, I don't accept what they have to say, I still want them to be able to say it. I want them to be able to stand staring me in the eyes, no matter the expression on my face, and be able to deliver their thought. In helping a young person grow into being able to do that, will inform their entire lives. And it's incredibly important. So when I say I instill a little bit of discipline, it's not at the expense of individuality, and I think that's important to note. And I think that's that's really one of those uh, Lippmann's test points that we have to use as a guide for fathers who are actually good fathers. We should not have to say Happy Father's Day to every father. One, it... It makes the entire, uh, let's be honest, commercially uh, created, I don't even know if you can call it a holiday, just a day, um, hollow and meaningless to the people who are actually being fathers. I don't want some deadbeat dad who's not paying his um, uh, his uh, child care um, or alimony or whatever being lumped into the same category as me. A man who takes great pride in his children and is an active part of their life. That is not a father. That is a piece of shit. We need to make sure we stop this this sort of blanket casting of happies. Let's stop being happy, people. <laughs> you don't need happiness. You just need, <laughs> I don't know, a little bit of discipline, a little bit of fear, uh, and a little bit of drive, a little heart. Um, all right, and it's uh, solstice. And I always thought it, it was such an interesting idea the equinoxes and the solstices these are, are are times in the natural span of what we've defined as a year when nature itself is in absolute control and we all sort of scurry around and adjust to her uh whim i guess and we all need to understand you know on the scientific side of things it's really just the rotation of our earth and the 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 degree of axis pivoting of our earth in relation to the sun that's really why we have seasons and that's uh the the, the technical side of that but the reality is is that we as human beings haven't always known that and so we've instilled a lot of really romantic ideas with the seasons now some people have taken it way off the deep end, I have to admit, they take it to be a spiritual thing, or something that is going to, you know, gods and goddesses have, uh, 
have inspired. Uh, bullshit on all that. But it is fun. It is fun to be able to assign a little bit of romance in your life. Because let's be honest, life in and of itself can be a little tedious. You have holidays and you have uh, events throughout the year that your birthday that you really champion. And if you're someone like me, you like to sort of take note on these equinoxes and solstices. So the summer solstice. I like to think that these are moments when, you know, I mean, ultimately the seasons can be related to uh, life and death cycles, not just of crops, but of animals as well. Romance is tied to specific seasons. Having emotional resonance based on experience in particular seasons, they, they put their imprint on you. And that's what makes seasons so fantastic. So the next solstice, or maybe even this solstice, it's going to be the day after, but just take a second and think, why do I love or hate this season that we're rolling into summer? What is it that has colored that season for me? Is it the best thing that should be defining the season? Or should I maybe take a step back and reassign some understanding? Because the reality is, as Satanists, and I'm going to touch on this pretty heavy in The Devil's Advocate, we need to make our mark. We should not allow others, whether they're our own past experiences or other people's impressions, define us. So we need to own things we experience, moments, memories. And if we don't have a good one, a positive one, through our perspective, then it is incumbent upon us to create a positive experience and a positive memory. So whether it's going out and hiking with your family, planting a garden, and right now you should have already planted it for some time and you should be seeing it in full growth. Whether it's tending to your yard or whether it's creating a piece of art or a piece of music, Maybe it's baking. Whatever it is, assign a new meaning that is positive for you and can help you drive in this summer solstice and really take ownership of your experiences. I've never really understood those people that are like, oh, I hate summer because of what everyone else does in summer. What does that have to do with you? Wait, you are literally allowing other people to define yourself. Let's not do that. Let's be Satanists, stand on our own two feet, and own our experiences. Uh, <laughs> I was owned by some experiences this weekend. So we've been having, a couple years ago we had some sprinkler, uh, sprinkler system installed, and I have always thought it was better to pay someone else to deal with maintenance and repairs than do it myself, because quite frankly, my time is much more valuable to me in doing other things, and I have the resources to pay them, so why wouldn't I? Uh, it got to a point where they stopped answering my calls. So I don't know if they went out of business or what, but they just didn't answer my calls anymore or my emails. So I was like, you know what? This is the guy I trust who I've used for years who installed my system. If he's not even going to be able to, to support it, maybe I should just get off my ass and do it myself. Um, and so I started looking at online videos and, and actually getting out there and trying to, to tinker with the actual sprinkler heads themselves. And we have uh, these hum, uh, Hunter MD rotators which is really uh, water-efficient sprinkler heads. Uh, 
that do a really wonderful job of covering the entire yard. I don't want to get into any technical bullshit, but essentially I had to replace two of the sprinkler heads. And it was, it's funny because when you're not interested in doing something, you get an incredible amount of satisfaction once you've jumped over the hurdle of deciding to do it and then being able to do it correctly. So I, I literally save myself like 50 bucks doing it myself. And I get the sense of satisfaction that I just fixed my own sprinkler system. And I know for those of you who do this on a regular basis, you're like, what a moron. But I put my time and energy in, well, I'll just say sex much more than I do plumbing in general. So I kind of feel good when I can get out there and uh, tickle that sprinkler hot spot as well. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, I also have, you know, when it rains, it pours around my house. I have a really old home. It's not very big. It was built in the 50s. And so it's it's very dilapidated. And we came into this home with our uh, heads held high saying, we are going to renovate this home. Now, reality says it's going to take us a long time to do it. And we're still sort of in the middle of it. But it, it because of that, we have a lot of things that go bad all at once. And so we have leaky faucets. We have backed up plumbing uh, pipes from our clothes washer. It's just... I don't know if it's lint or whatever from our plumbing, but we had to have a whole bunch of people come in and clean a whole bunch of stuff out. And I had to get all my hands dirty and I don't like getting my hands dirty <laughs> unless it's outside. For some reason, I, I separate. Maybe you guys can tell me if you do this too. I separate outside work from inside work. I'm fine doing outside work. I don't really like doing inside work. I do it. I have done it. I have set toilets. I have uh, hooked up and changed out entire faucets and sinks. It. I mean, as a homeowner, you have to do that stuff. I don't enjoy it. I don't like doing it. That's why I like to pay other people to do it. Um, but when I have to do it, I get a little frustrated. <laughs> like, why am I lowering myself <laughs> to having to do something that I really don't like doing until I get it done? And I'm like, I am king. Worship at my plumbing hands. <laughs> you know? Um, so all of that is finally almost over, almost over, not quite over, but it is one of those things where, you know, doing it yourself, you get that sense of satisfaction, it, it, even though you hated the experience. And, and this is something that I experience every time I brew. So I have to sterilize a series of bottles so that I can bottle, um, oh, what is it I'm, I've got right now? It's, um, uh, Belgian white. So I have to bottle that. I love the process of making beer. I love the process of bottling and drinking. I hate the sterilizing and cleaning part of it. <laughs> it is so tedious. And it's not challenging. It's not difficult. It's just tedious. I, I genuinely feel like I could be spending my time better doing literally anything else than sterilizing and cleaning. But it's an important part. It's an important step. And you have to do it. So once it's done, you get that I've done it sense of excitement. Um, I've been getting that all weekend, <laughs> whether it's from sprinklers, whether it's from plumbing or brewing or mowing the lawn in blistering heat, <laughs> drenched in sweat. It was so hot this weekend. It's insane. Um, I do highly recommend those of you who are like me and prefer to pay other people to do things every once in a while, just to take a step back, do it yourself. It feels really good. I mean, it really does. It's a hassle. I know but you'll feel good about it. And of course, knowing how to do things is incredibly important. I always fantasize about the world sort of falling apart. Society itself, not the world, falling apart. And, you know, we're going to have to be in a barter system in order to really live. And it's going to be sort of that the road type world. Uh, you're going to want to learn how to do a couple things, a couple mechanical things on your own when you move into that type of a world. So... <laughs> 
don't uh, don't sit there with buttercup fingers like me most of the time. Um, all right, and then I had this really horrible experience. For those of you who have to do stuff like this, you're going to understand. I actually recorded two separate Adam Road Rages on this subject, but um, I, I, I don't think I'm going to deliver. I'm just going to sort of talk to you briefly about it here. So my boss called me on Friday evening and said he needs me to walk him through, verbally walk him through over the phone, how to access a file, change a file name, uh, change the content of that file, and then print it out uh, with no border, so full bleed print on my printer. And I'm sitting here in my head like, I don't want to have to go into the office because it's the weekend, but the alternative is trying to walk a... 50 plus year old man who knows nothing about electronics through some pretty complex tasks of, you know, copying and pasting and printing. And you wouldn't think that that would be a challenge unless of course you've ever dealt with someone who just absolutely refuses to use computers properly. And this is the type of guy who is convinced that if he just updates his software, like, for example, Windows updates, he refuses to let Windows updates go on. However, he hates it when he gets viruses, even though one is directly connected to the other, he will refuse to update software at all because it takes too much time. Not to mention the downtime when he does get a virus on his system or when something does break or doesn't work properly because it doesn't have the updated freaking driver to perform the action that he's expecting it to perform. And then he sits there and wonders why his web pages look so dramatically different than everyone else in the office. Well, it's because you never update your software. It's the same old ass software that has been re realistically expired from the planet. No one uses that anymore except for you. You are the Jurassic Park of Internet Explorer and you have to stop trying to bring it back. Seriously. So I have to deal with this kind of crap on a regular basis. So walking him through, opening up Adobe Illustrator, editing content, and then printing it out at a full bleed is near impossible. So I bite the bullet and I say, I'm just going to come in and do this. And he sort of doubles down. No, you don't have to. Don't feel like you have to come in. I'm like, I have to come in. I know what you're doing. This is either you trying to trick me into coming in or you honestly overestimating your ability to do the most basic of tasks. I've been down this road before. I have been burned before and I will not be burned again. Not good times, people. So, I go in, I get the file, I have it all set up on my desktop. All he has to do is open it and hit print, and it should go perfectly. So this morning, I'm in Home Depot getting uh, sprinkler heads with my family. And I get a little ring on my tele. So I pull out my cell phone, and I'm uh, answered. It's him, of course. And he's like, so where's the power button? <laughs> the computer. And I'm like looking at the phone. I... I just incredulous, like, you don't know how to turn on, like, he bought me that freaking thing, and he doesn't, so I have to explain how to turn on the computer, how to log in, how to open a program, how to open fonts, how to adjust everything, I went into the office so I wouldn't have to do this, and here I am doing it anyway, because hell forbid someone knows how to print out a fucking file. Why would I ever expect in 2015 that you wouldn't know how? 
unbelievable. So I go <laughs> walk him through a half an hour of print errors, adding in ink cartridges, printing it out. Finally, he gets it done. And I feel stupider for having to go through the, I literally have to explain copy and paste. How is that possible? How is that possible that you can run a business and not know some of the most basics of tasks on a computer? <laughs> I don't get it. I don't fucking get it. What am I talking about again? I'm, I'm like crazy upset now. <laughs> God damn. All right, how about we do a little devil's advocate and uh, let Darren take it away. Uh, so yeah, devil's advocate coming up. In nominate in Man and woman is a star. Yet each is of a unique type and magnitude. But how many have the wisdom to honestly recognize their particular role in the cosmos? Each individual consciousness may be likened to a black hole, a form of gravity lens. But this lens is not one that focuses and pulls into the existing components of our material universe. It is one that pulls in and focuses time. The present is an event horizon, the eternal moment in which we live. It is the domain of our awareness. That which is whirling into the whole is the yet-to-be-realized future, the events that might happen. Amongst this nebular cloud of possibility, which is finite, with greater particles being more likely possibilities, are the is-to-be's that will become reality once they reach the present. These are the consciously desired future events established by the magical will of a satanic sorcerer. Once these things pass through the now... They fall into a place in the linear progression that is the past of each individual. Motile possibility becomes actuality and is frozen in the past. History is thus made. That is the very, very beginning of this essay. Fantastic essay. And what Megas Gilmore is speaking to in this is... Uh, Using the metaphor of us, the satanic sorcerer, everyone, being a black hole that is our present experience, the moment. Everything on the event horizon and outside of that is potential, and everything that has occurred, that has breached that event horizon, that we have consumed, is history. And how greater magic and lesser magic can be affected and influence this gravity well that is our experience. It is a really wonderful way of looking at the satanic sorcerer's will, the is-to-be, as he puts it in here. Um, I, I really like this idea because... It, in this essay, he, he speaks to the idea that most people are living in the past. You're, you're sort of walking backward 
into the future. Because you're examining everything that's already happened, you're never actually able to focus on what's going to happen. Or more importantly, and this is central to every satanic sorcerer, how you can direct future potentiality, the is-to-be, into being what you presently are, or get to experience, or will have, or be, or do. It is exerting your will on potential, and you can do that through greater magic. Um, but he's saying that, you know, the satanic sorcerer doesn't walk backwards into the future, doesn't examine history, their own personal histories. No, they do everything they can to turn around and direct their will on what hasn't happened yet. That ethereal potentiality that is to be. And you grab onto it, you mold it, and then you experience it and let it wash behind you into the history and you reach out for another is to be. You do not dwell on what has happened. And he does this really wonderful uh, uh, idea of, uh, I'm sorry, way of speaking to how our histories are contaminated, um, are colored uh, by our own experiences in that moment, our own emotions in that moment, or ex by other people, uh, once they reach that event horizon too, how they're feeling and, and impress upon us their own uh, emotions and experiences, and thereby become part of our history, our memories. And he's saying that the satanic sorcerer can actually do that to other people. You can own parts of other people's histories. You can impress upon them and you can mold them. At one point there is to bees and at the other, it is your present and then very quickly your own history. And you can travel in time by capturing those moments and re-experiencing them, but never at the expense of the present. Always to be looking forward. He, he, he continues in this essay to speak to lesser magic and how the satanic sorcerer utilizes that in order to be a chameleon of sorts, in order to impress themselves on others and to create those is-to-bees outside of the ritual chamber. Um, and how you have to be a chameleon. And how, you know, it's natural for human beings in some way to want to present themselves openly and honest to some people some of the time. But the reality is, is we can't do that as satanic magicians. We have to be what other people want us to be. And that it is, it is solipsistic to think that others would even want to know the real you. Like, the reality is, is people don't care. It's not... I want to know who you are for the sake of knowing. It's I want to know who you are so that I can manipulate you and get you to do what I want. There's no honesty about it. And so we have to go into relationships knowing that. Now, when I say relationships, I don't mean like, uh, you know, a marriage, for example. I do honestly think that there are some people you have to be abjectly 100% open and honest with. And uh, your partner is probably that only, is the only person that you would actually be that way with. I try to be my best to be open and honest with all of you 
to our uh, collective one-sided experience <laughs> that is nine cents. But the reality is, is I only show you what I want to show you. The reality of who I am is very much different than uh, pieces that you pick up here and there, whether it's, uh, you know, pressing our flesh in, in brief moments of meeting or you tuning in every week. And you really should be doing that as well. If you want to be someone, if you want that is to be, utilize greater and lesser magic. Manipulate that is to be so that when it reaches the moment of being in your present, it is presented in the way that you want it to. So that when it is in your history, you have ownership of it. That it is colored with your emotional will your direction and it is yours every man and woman is a star is a fantastic essay in a collection of truly stellar essays uh titled the satanic scriptures by magus peter h gilmore i highly recommend everyone check it out especially you know the way i'm describing this is uh quite literally much less than the way it is written, and I do genuinely believe everyone must read this essay. It is fantastic. Do yourselves a favor. Every Man and Woman is a Star by Peter H. Gilmore. It's worth it. Let's do a little Asian provocateur. Hey everyone, I'm a Den or Den. If you ever get cold, you can stay in the corner of a room. They're generally 90 degrees. Or you can listen to my segment, Militant Eroticism, at the end of every month on Nine Cents Podcast. I'll either piss you off or get your pelvis grooving. Either way, you'll be warmer. I am not a liberal nor a conservative. I'm not a Democrat nor a Republican. I am not a socialist nor a capitalist. I am not an authoritarian and I'm definitely not fighting for your cause. I belong to no party, I support no politicians, I am loyal to no state, and your cause celebra means nothing to me. I am Darren Deicide, Agent Provocateur. Welcome back to Agent Provocateur! Let the cartoon begin! And what a cartoon it is. The cartoon I'm talking about, of course, is America, my belovedly strange home, where young men lose their minds and blow people away for fun. Where white and black rip each other to shreds for a little piece of the pie. Now Yankees take on Confederate symbols and tonight we're gonna party like it's 1859. And as the world marvels at our strange ways, I would like to talk to you about piss. You see, when the human herd goes stampeding through the political world, it's important to remind ourselves of commonalities rather than focus on how much we love the unique smell of our own dookie. People who claim apathy as their political ideology really have problems with this topic because they seem to live in some sort of fantasy world where they exclude themselves from their society. They often do this while hypocritically taking some staunch opinion on the human macrocosm. Whoops! Became, quote-unquote, political again there, didn't you? So what I like to do from time to time, besides politically farting on whatever the truism du jour is, is go back to those little things in everyday life and take a look at how they've impacted all of us. Did you know 
Humans, on average, excrete 1.4 liters of urine per person per day at a pH of about 6.2, with 91 to 96% of the total being water. Sounds pretty damn close to the water composition that comes out of your tap, no? Here in New Jersey, the remaining 49% is lead. It's a character builder. But when urine does come out of our taps here, rest assured that the remaining is mostly urea. The rest are salts and other compounds that leach out of your body, like the runoff from Chernobyl. In the urine of a healthy individual, the color comes primarily from the presence of the compound urobilin. Urobilin, in turn, is a final waste product resulting from the breakdown of hemes in hemoglobin during the deconstruction of aging blood cells. Think of those large tubes in China that continually spewed toxic industrial waste into the Yangtze River. Yeah, that's you, buddy. Now, colorless urine indicates overhydration. You know, overhydration? That sudden bout your stoner friend happens to magically get whenever he's forced to take a drug test? Darker yellow urine is often indicative of dehydration. Rest assured, though, that the color of your piss is a certain litmus test to know what's going on in your kidneys and bloodstream. Think of it as a truth teller, the part of you that cannot lie about what you've been ingesting, despite telling the wifey that you weren't at the bar, you were just working on your taxes with the buddies. The history of pee is fascinating. Maybe it's just me. But the history of pee is fascinating. Early attempts at medicine knew this important role that urine had in understanding what was happening with the human body. Hermogenes, a Greek philosopher close to Socrates at the time of the height of Greek enlightenment, wrote about the color and other attributes of urine as indicators of certain diseases. Abdul Malik ibn Habib of Andalusia pioneered this field as well and mentions numerous, numerous reports of urine examination throughout the Umayyad Caliphate Empire. Our fascination with urine goes way back, long before the golden showers category entered Pornhub. Did you know that the Roman Empire has a urine, had a urine industry? Yes, and it wasn't just for fun. I know this is Rome, but it wasn't just for fun. Before acquiring soap from the Germanic peoples during the first century AD, ancient Romans used fermented human urine, and they called it lant, and they used it as a cleanser. Because urea in urine breaks down into ammonia, urine has been used for the cleaning properties of the ammonia therein. You'll never look at the stream setting on your Windex the same again. So, in pre-industrial times, urine was used as a cleaning fluid. For some of modern society, it functions as an accidental form of cleaning. I don't know why more drunk bums who get caught peeing on their local McDonald's don't just fall back on the explanation, Officer, I'm just trying to help clean the windows. So successful was this industry of piss that Emperor Nero instituted a tax on the urine industry, continued by his successor, Vespasian. The Latin saying, pecunia non olet, translate to money doesn't smell, and is attributed to Vespasian, said to have been his reply to a complaint from his son about the unpleasant nature of the tax. Vespasian's name is still attached to public urinals in France as Vespasian's, I think I'm saying that right, Italy, it also has it as Vespasiani, and Romania as Vespasian. I guess there are worse legacies in life. 
Did you know that during the American Revolution and all the way into the Civil War, people would collect urine to help the front line? How does peeing in a jar help the front line of a battle, you ask? Well, you can make gunpowder with urine, and before the advent of the chemical industry, this was a common way to keep those guns loaded and those bodies dropping. Urine is filled with nitrogen, and by peeing on straw and letting it rot, it was possible to extract the nitrogen through a process of refinement that extracted the nitrogen into a crystal form, which could then be mixed to create gunpowder. EXPLOSIVE PISS! Did you know that white phosphorus was discovered because of pee? The more you know, folks. Alchemy, not the esoteric tradition, but the long-debunked science of attempting to find a way to process gold from other compounds, led to this discovery, and German alchemist Hennig Brand found this in 1669 when attempting to create gold by distilling fermented urine. I have no idea how this piece of information could help you, but know that my intentions are the best for you, people. During World War I, chemical warfare was being pioneered in new ways, and experimentation with poisonous gases was on the rise. After the first German chlorine gas attacks, Allied troops were supplied with masks of cotton pads that had been soaked in urine. It was believed that the ammonia in the pad neutralized the chlorine. These pads were held over the face until the soldiers could escape from the poisonous fumes. However, we know now that chlorine gas reacts with urine to produce toxic fumes. Whoops! Sometimes war is serendipitous, or, uh, or maybe the other way around. <laughs> now, let's go on to contemporary phenomenons. Healthy urine is not toxic and the human animal's love for ingesting random things is, a, un, is as unending as its stupidity. So, you may have heard of this movement, but there are some people out there who have taken upon themselves to drink pee as a form of therapy. Oh, humanity, if you do go ahead and prove yourself to be a failed biological experiment, I will never fault you for being a constant source of entertainment. Folks, I'm not lying. There are extreme elements of spiritual practice and alternative wellness that advocate drinking your own urine. This phenomenon is technically called urophagia. Urine therapy refers to one of several uses of urine to prevent or cure sickness, to enhance beauty, or to cleanse one's bowels. There's one medicine you won't have to wait in line at the pharmacy for. Many advocates claim that urine is a panacea. These people claim urine effective against the flu, the common cold, broken bones, toothache, dry skin, psoriasis, and all other skin problems. It's said to deter aging and is helpful with AIDS, allergies, animal and snake bites, asthma, heart disease, hypertension, burns, cancer, chemical intoxication, chicken pox, enteritis, constipation, and pneumonia. They claim urine is said to be effective against dysentery, edema, eczema, eye irritation, fatigue, fever, gonorrhea, gout, bloody urine. Wrap your head around that one. Bloody urine. Smallpox, immunological disorders, infections, infertility, baldness, insomnia, jaundice, hepatitis, Kaposi's sarcoma, leprosy, lymphatic disorder, urticaria, morning sickness, hangover, obesity, papillomavirus, parasite, 
parasitosis, gastric ulcer, rheumatism, birthmark, stroke, congestion, lubago, typhus, gastritis, depression, cold sores, tuberculosis, tetanitis, Parkinson's disease, foot fungus, diabetes, and other endocrine-related diseases. Isn't this amazing? It makes me wonder why we even develop medicine at all, when all the while we could just be draining our lizards into a pint glass. Sheesh, society, how could you be so foolish? Some spiritual enthusiasts see urine therapy as a divine manifestation of cosmic intelligence. They, they use urine to unleash their kundalini, sending it straight into the third eye, bringing instant enlightenment. You know, I want to believe the pee drinkers, just so I can indulge the privilege of whizzing down their ball washers. Ball washer. That one was for you, Adam. Well... At least some elements of the more rational scientific community have staked their claim on this. It is well known, duh, that urine contains compounds eliminated by the body as undesirable, and thus when ingested can be quite detrimental to your health. The U.S. Army Field Manual advises against drinking urine even for survival. These guides explain that drinking urine tends to worsen rather than relieve dehydration due to the salts in it, and that urine should not be consumed in a survival situation, even when there is no other fluid available. However, it does suggest that in hot weather survival situations where other sources of water are not available, soaking a cloth in urine and putting it on the head so as to cool the body. Now, there is something else that does like ingesting pee. Plants. The large quantities of nitrogen, as well as the significant quantities of dissolved phosphates and potassium, are main macronutrients required by plants. Now, before you go out to the garden for some midnight watering, know that undiluted urine can chemically burn the roots of some plants, which is why it is best to apply it with a dilution of water, about a 1 to 5 ratio. The fertilization effect of urine has been found to be comparable to that of commercial fertilizers with an equivalent NPK rating. The inorganic salts in your yella, such as sodium chloride, are not the best for a plant, so be sure, especially if it's a container plant, to give it a good flush after you've number one done your tomatoes. Speaking of vegetables, how about that asparagus pea, huh? I'm a freak. I love the way it smells. It's like the pungency of gasoline without all the brain cell killing. Well, that smell comes from asparagusic acid. An acid, surprise, surprise, unique to asparagus. Our bodies break this down into an innocuous sulfur compound that has a very low boiling point and becomes gaseous at room temperature, which is why it goes straight from the toilet bowl to your nose. Mm, mm, mm. Well, I think that's enough about the time-honored tradition of taking a one, not a two. For once, I may have done an episode of Agent Provocateur that manages to not piss anyone off. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. That's it for now. I'll post some more wee-wee factoids on my always eventful newswire at facebook.com slash agentprovocateur on 9 cents, the number 9. Until then, whatever you do, please... Do not cross the streams. It's very, very bad. This has been Darren Deaside. Good night.
Welcome to another Creature Feature. Today I'm being joined by Magister David Harris. You will all know him from his many online projects, whether it's photography, video, um, hate speech radio, and before that even, Satanism Today. Well, I'm having him on today because we're going to talk a little bit about Satanism Today and, uh, well, quite literally, how it's going to become Satanism Today. Today? Does that make sense? How are you, Magister Harris? I'm all right, man. How are you doing? Not too bad. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm really excited about what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, no, it, it is exciting. It's it's fun to uh, to I guess I guess let the cat out of the bag. We're resurrecting the brand, uh, yeah. the Satanism Today uh, moniker under under nine cents, and it's it's very exciting. I figure it's time to get off my lazy ass because I'm not doing enough, um, <laughs> and maybe do something to, uh, as you say, uh, further the uh, the satanic conversation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, it's really exciting. So let's bring this back to the beginning, if we can, a little bit with Satanism today specifically. Um, as all of us have known, we've been chomping at the bit, wishing that it was still around. In fact, the entire reason this podcast exists is because Satanism today didn't. And uh, so, you know, you you sort of grandfathered a lot of individuals. Um, inspiring them with Satanism today, not just through Satanism, but through some form of performance or delivery of uh, Satanic uh, ideology or, or wisdom. So uh, let me ask you that really quick. How does that weigh on you? How, how does that make you feel? Uh, it's entirely too much credit to give to me. Um, <laughs> I, I, re I really don't deserve all that much credit. Um, I, I I find it um, I find it flattering and, and a little bit humbling that that so many people enjoyed the show. Um, mm -hmm. It was really you know if it, if I wasn't interviewing somebody that day, it was literally just me um, spouting off about you know what I what I perceived to be the satanic perspective on whatever was going on at the time. Mm -hmm. um, so for so many people to have enjoyed it that much and to have be constantly saying, "Hey, you know, why isn't this still around?" Um, is kind of humbling and flattering. Um, I'm I'm pleased that people enjoyed what I did, um, and you know, so yeah. that's you know kind of where that's at. Well, uh, what what inspired you to start the pod? I mean, it wasn't even a podcast at the time; it was an online radio show. But what what inspired you to to put that together uh, under the moniker of Satanism Today? Um. I was invited to do it by uh, High Priest Gilmore, who had been contacted by an organization called FreeThoughtRadio.com, who had read about the Church of Satan and was intrigued by it, uh, resonated with the philosophy, even if they didn't agree with all of the tenets, and mm. thought that a satanic program on their network would be beneficial to their brand. Uh, I had recently had, had met High Priest Gilmore, had, had made it known to him that I was involved in radio and had been so for a while. And so he said, hey, is this something you would be interested in doing? And before he even finished the sentence, I said, yes. Um, <laughs> and the rest is really history. I just kind of went ahead and did my own thing. The first two episodes were with the High Priest Gilmore, and then the rest were with other prominent members of the church who were involved in projects or had interesting perspective on things that were going on at the time. We did a few roundtable discussions, and... Uh, when when there wasn't a guest, it was j just me for an hour, and I, mm -hmm. for a while, because uh, Free Thought Radio and then later Radio Free Satan at the time weren't airing live programming. 
Right. Um, so we, everything was pre-recorded, um, and you know, you know, so sort of similar to the way uh, Radio Free Satan does things now, where you just you, you know the shows are uploaded and then put into the rotation, you know, into the download rotation every week. It was similar to that, except everything aired on like a I think it was like a seven or eight hour loop, and so once every eight hours you could catch the the latest episode. Nice. Well, it is. I mean, it's something that you carried for years. Uh, what were some of the challenges? I mean, I know challenges that I have, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious if they, they're paralleled here. What were some of the challenges uh, that you experienced having regular, uh, just regular content to deliver and talk about? Uh, well, the, I, I suppose the biggest challenge is is to is to be able to examine things that were going on at the time every single week and figure mm. out, okay, what is the general public missing about this? What, what is not being reported? What's the subtext? What's the third side? Uh, and so, so, not, so that was really the biggest challenge, not only finding the content, but looking for that perspective that the rest of the mainstream media was not tapping into. And um, when you first started that, what interval were you planning on uh, releasing all of your episodes, or what interval did you maintain throughout the years? I I was, I don't I can't say that I was consistently doing a show every week. <laughs> the one, the the drawback to doing something completely by yourself and not really having anybody else to to rely on is that if I got too bogged down and didn't just didn't have time to knock a show out i, I mm. just didn't do it but the the goal was to do it once a week and i maintained once a week for a, a, a decent span of time at least for a few years you know give or take a, a week off here or there um later on when i first when i stopped doing it for a while I, I brought it back once a year for like you know like a two or three hour special i did that for two years and then brought it back weekly um again for a while when radio free satan was reborn under a Someone who shall not be named. <laughs> right. Right. Um, let me ask you about that, the, your decision to uh, finally stop uh, producing Satanism today. Uh, how did that come about? Uh, what were the feelings involved? And, uh, you know, what were the re reactions from the audience? I, I felt that it had kind of run its course at the time. Um, it was rapidly... It was it was becoming less and less Satanism today, and it was more and more becoming the Dave Harris show, mm -hmm. and you know, f you know fewer guests, more me, you know, which I didn't mind, but um, <laughs> but uh, it, it really it it stopped feeling like the the show's original intent. We sort of veered away from that, so I'm like, mm -hmm. all right, you know what? Maybe this has run its course. I had suddenly taken a a, a very significant interest in telling dick jokes on the radio. Um, <laughs> Right around that same time, hate speech radio came to be, in line with you know the, you know the the major impetus for that was the the firing of Don Imus, hmm. uh, for the whole you know nappy headed hose comment <laughs> yeah. from the Rutgers women's basketball team, and have you know sharped in and everybody who started calling that hate speech and I was like well if if you're gonna call comedy hate speech I'd rather wear that with a badge of honor, and and try to be the most you know outrageous and ridiculous and funny show that we could create yeah and so I, I i developed more of an interest in doing that so i sort of moved on to that for a while and uh and of course you know a few years ago that ran its course and right. i moved on to filmmaking and and 
video, you know, obviously with internet bandwidth becoming so prevalent and the cost of filmmaking equipment coming down dramatically, Hmm. I'd always had an interest in filmmaking. Um, So I started exploring that as an option. And I've been toying around with that. And and our first film is coming out uh, in about a week and a half as we record this. Yeah, pretty excited to see that. Um, And that's uh, Vagina Time, right? Yes, Vagina Time. Um, It's a film about a a stand-up comic who comes up with a catchphrase that catches on. And, of course, you know, amongst comics in the stand-up comedy world, if you have a catchphrase, you're pretty much a pariah. (laughs) <laughs> because it's just such a hack pandering thing to have. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, you know, the, the main character being, you know, my wife, Heather, you know, hates herself for it, um, <clears throat> for, for having this catchphrase. And it's very funny. It's a very funny film. We think, we think everyone's yeah. going to like it. We're looking forward to it. You can find it on Facebook as well. We'll have some links in the show notes. Um, so how, how did the, how did you experience the, the audience, uh, from your, uh, stopping of, uh, Satanism today? Did, did anyone reach out and I mean, did you get any pressure to bring it back or was it pretty much just, okay, well that's run its course. Uh, there were, you know, there were the, a few emails saying, Hey, why don't you keep doing this? And I would just say, look, it's kind of, it, it's kind of run its course. I'm kind of burnt out on it. It's not what it was. And hmm. I'd rather let the legacy of it stand on its own than to continue to beat a dead horse. Um, oddly enough, um, the impetus to bring it back is sort of you know, a renewed sense of, of, you know, like you had discussed in, in, in your, your presentation at, at, at our conclave at our 50th anniversary, uh, the continuation of, of the greatest satanic conversation, the, um, the fact that there are folks out there who would like to hijack our name and what it is we stand for um, is abhorrent and disgusting. And if... I can contribute to the nullification of that in any way. It's kind of, I, I sort of feel an obligation to do it. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm uh, absolutely thrilled that you uh, do want to uh, bring Satanism today back because it is going to be a, a huge, huge influence. Even, even today, we see reference in uh, social media about Satanism today. And, you know, that being said, it's, it's been gone for so long, and it's still in, it, it's still in our collective conscious. It is still out there. That, that really does speak to the, to the power of what it was and what it continues to be and, and, and uh, how you're in this revival of it, um, how, how, how powerful it's going to hit these people over the head. Because it is easy, I think, for anyone who wants to try to twist a conversation point to say, well, this existed, it no longer exists, so X, Y, and Z, and give some obscene reason, and there's no one to argue the point. But now, it's not gone. It is back. Satanism Today is back with a vengeance, and uh, we're, uh, we're pretty excited about what you're going to be hitting on, and, and your particular perspective is different than anyone else I've, I've heard which, you know, obviously is, is part of the reason why I'm so excited of, uh, of you coming Never back. Never heard an and... angry, ranting lunatic speak? <laughs> well, I think that may be, uh, not, you, you may be selling yourself short a little bit there, but um, it's a good part of <laughs> the conversations that you have. Um, okay, so you're bringing it back. At what interval do you think uh, the audience could be expecting Satanism today? Uh, looks, we're looking to do it once a month, um, you know, keep it sort of special. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think part of one of the one of the reasons why it went away the first time was because I was I was attempting to do it so often. You know, I, was, I got burnt out. Yeah. So. <clears throat> You know, plus with everything with everything else I've got going, you know, Vagina Times coming out, I'm we're we're in the very alpha stages of flushing out the next film project. Um, so yeah, I don't want to I don't want to commit to anything that I can't deliver on. Right. Which is kind of what I kind of where it went the first time around, and and in large part the second time around. Um, so I want to keep it to a, a, an interval that I can maintain. So I think uh, I think once a month, you know, we and you know, we keep it. Keep it fresh. Keep it, yeah. you know, keep it special. Well, I definitely appreciate that. I know it, it can be a hassle to produce stuff every week. <laughs> I know very well. So, oh yeah, <laughs> um, I definitely uh, appreciate you um, taking the the side of it that you know you can produce this content on uh, regularly. So, I mean, are we? Ex- what can the audience expect for the content? Is this going to be similar to how Satanism Today started, where you're just sort of taking uh, news and social events and, and giving your third side, or is it going to be more interviews or? or um, yes and yes, I think um, it's you know, got to kind of dance with what brung you. Mm. Um, it, it's it it kind of worked the first time, and uh, I think. I, I think I can muster up enough uh, intellect and rage uh, <laughs> with with what's going on now. What with uh, you know, just the the violent violent assault of of the PC police on language, um, because when you affect language, you affect one's ability to influence in one way or another. And the suppression right. of language is is a very is a very touchy subject with me i don't you know whether it's something i agree with or not i am a staunch believer in in the right to free expression um so the the pc assault on language is something that is very uh something that i hold very near and dear as far as something as i want to combat um Mm. and of course you know the other things like what we mentioned before folks trying to appropriate the the name satanism and the the term satanism and you know, redefine it for their own their own gain. Um, that's something that is also very important to me in terms of speaking out about and making sure that the public is aware that that is not who we are, that this is what Satanism is, that it is a religion of the individual, a religion that celebrates this life and not a, not a religion that wants to mamby pamby its way around and and be and and essentially w- wear a good guy badge mm-hmm. which is which is what some other folks would like to uh, to present to the public. And no, it's not what we are. We are we are elitists. We are we are better than everyone oh. else. That's who we are. It's what we do. We've proven it time and time again. And the word needs to get out. So I if if I can do something to promote that fact and to promote the people within the church that have things going on with themselves, projects that the public would be interested in, you know, products that the public would be interested in, um, as well as to comment on things that, and from a perspective that the public may not see, uh, that is something that I'm looking to contribute. Well, there you have it. Uh, I'm very excited. When can the audience, you know, is it next month you want to start this thing? That they can tune in and Uh, hear the first episode of Satanism today or July 27th 
All right, mark your calendars, people. <laughs> That's going to be great. Fantastic. Well, Magister Harris, I'm, I'm very excited, and I'm really, really proud that you uh, are coming to Nine Cents and, and contributing here. Uh, I think you could pretty much do anything you want, even stand on your own two feet without anything, and, and you would draw in a massive crowd. So I'm very honored that you uh, brought it to Nine Cents, and I believe that uh, we're going to... Um, you know, I think I think we're going to do some really, really wonderful uh, work together. I think this is going to be great. I think it's going to be great. And let me just say that if if I'm if if I was the inspiration for Nine Cents, then let me say that Nine Cents and and the crew that you've assembled um, inspired me to get back into the game. I'm going to have to step my game up um, <laughs> because what you guys have accomplished, you know, since you guys, you know, picked up, you know essentially where I left off you've you've taken it leaps and bounds beyond what I could have ever imagined and hoped to have accomplished um so any any contribution I can make to the project that you have created um is an honor for me as well I certainly appreciate that well until next month until we can chat again hail satan hail satan my friend all right everyone that's going to do it that's going to do it for yet another show i hope you enjoyed it and, uh, of course, we would love to hear from you. Visit the website, 9centspodcast.com, and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let us know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. Tell us how excited you are that Satanism today is coming to 9 cents. I know I am. And uh, another note before I go on with the outro here. Militant Eroticism has been available for a number of months now as a hardcover. Aden Arden has been getting a lot of requests from uh, you folks out there demanding a paperback version and demanding a digital ebook or EPUB version. Well, you demanded and he responded. They are both available today, immediately, right now. Go to militanteracism.com and you can pick up your ebook or paperback versions of militant eroticism. If you have not picked up or uh, purchased the uh, hardcover yet, this is your chance to get it. Uh, I don't think the hardcover is going to be around much longer. So if you want the hardcover, get it now. Do not delay anymore. But the paperback and the e digital versions are available in, uh, well, forever, I'm assuming. So. <laughs> Definitely check it out. MilitantEroticism.com. Aden Arden is bringing, bringing, he's doing exactly what you've asked for. And I got to say, not a lot of authors do that. They're just like, you know what? This was my envision. I, I wanted it to be a hardback version and I put it out in this very wonderful designed package. But no, no, he's doing what you want. So support him. Do what you can. Pick up the paperback version, the ebook and the hardcover as it's still available. And of course, you can always check out Nine Cents in social media. Say Net, Facebook, Google Plus, Twitter, and MySpace pages. And, uh, you know, we're going to tell you about not only weekly show notes, but what's coming, news about Satanism, <clears throat> excuse me, Satanic products, or uh, <clears throat> promos for uh, different projects that are out there. Tune in to Nine Cents in social media to get informed people. And of course, you can download the shows Monday via the RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. But if you don't want to go to 9centspodcast.com, you can go to Last.fm, you can go to Stitcher, you can go to YouTube. However you get it, you can go to iTunes. But however you get it, make sure you leave us a rating, leave us a comment. It helps 9cents rise 
and stay at the top where we are right now. And of course, if you'd like to learn more about Satanism or the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. Read the Satanic Bible. Read the Satanic Scriptures. Educate yourself. Satanism is study, not worship. And remember that the only way we're going to continue doing this podcast is if you tell a friend. Share Nine Cents, especially with the nine fantastic segments that are a part of Nine Cents. Go to the website to learn more or tune into social media. Let's build this podcast together, people. Help spread the word. Once again, thank you for joining me. As always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell. And until next week, hail Satan! <laughs>